0: All right, so we are in Matthew 18. It's a great forgiveness chapter. It's a great how to work out your differences with a person chapter. So if you want to open up to Matthew 18 or just open up your program, you'll see uh, the verses that we're going to be studying today. And I, I really feel a need to say a few words of introduction here. You look at that story of Joseph that we just read, and in one way, it's kind of shocking. Joseph's own brothers sold him into slavery? I remember the first time I heard this, and, and, you know, it was told to me these were Old Testament believers. Old Testament believers in God sold their own brother into slavery what? But as I've gotten a little older, as I've talked to a person or two as a pastor, I've come to realize how often that kind of action comes from people that are supposed to be the ones closest to us, who are supposed to be the ones who love us the most, that even if you do the science of it and study the statistics of it, a lot of trauma, deep trauma, is brought into our lives by people that are expected to treat us with the greatest care. It's heartbreaking. And because of those statistics, I'm guessing that there are people sitting here today, and I want to say this out loud, I don't know who you are, But you've been hurt deeply, maybe even to the level of traumatized by people that you expected to take care of you, not traumatize you. You've gone through things that are very, very difficult. Maybe even from a very young age, you've gone through those things. And one of the hardest messages to hear is forgive those who have hurt you. It, it, it just seems in many hearts and many minds, why would God ask me to do that to this person who knowingly took a big chunk of my heart and stepped on it? Of course, we can, we can get traumatized, we can get hurt in many other ways. I mean, all you have to do is look at the images of the war in Ukraine right now. There are many things that can make us Angry and hurt, and want to hold on to that anger and hurt. It's not always family members, in other words. But for those of you today who are struggling with forgiveness, and maybe many of us, if we heard your full story, would nod our heads and say, um, Wow, I get why. With what you've been through, you would struggle with forgiveness. I wanted to start this message just with that little introduction that, hey, this is Jesus. He's your Savior. And as difficult as, as a heart of a saying as this might be for you to hear, please believe me when I say Jesus is coming at you with great compassion. He is omniscient. We sang that before not only about our sins, but also about our hurts. And so as you hear me talk today and present this message about forgiveness, I'm hoping that I can convey why Jesus is so strong on this topic when it comes to saying, I've forgiven you, now I want you to go and forgive the the people in your life that have hurt you, that have angered you, that have caused a split in your heart, because that's what's best for you. I'm your Savior, and that's all I want, what's best for you. So with that introduction, I want to take us into Matthew 18, and uh, we'll, we'll read, those, read those verses from Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21. This is a very well-known parable, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations, as I noted before, will say 70 times seven times. That would be 490 Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Good move, right? Throw your person who owes you a lot of money into prison where he makes pennies. Uh, Not a great move. But he's angry, right? And you've probably lashed out like that before when you're angry or hurt and done something really dumb because you're angry. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So if you want to go ahead and and fill in um, the three major points, I'm going to talk about three things, or you can wait. I'll come back to them if you want to fill them in in order. But today we're going to talk about the abundance of forgiveness. Then we're going to talk about the conveyance, that is the transfer of forgiveness. And then finally we're going to talk about the incredible importance of forgiveness. So let's go back to that first set of two verses, and we're gonna break this, this parable and, and the story that surrounds it. I I like to think that this was probably what was happening. That Peter himself, the apostle, the disciple, was upset about something. And that there was someone he knew who kept irritating him, kept doing things that he found really tough to forgive. And so Peter, he's hearing what Jesus is saying, he's following Jesus around, he knows Jesus is all about forgiveness, he's the Messiah, the Savior, and so he comes up to Jesus with a question that I'm guessing Peter thought, this is exceptionally generous, but Jesus I'm I'm proposing to you, this is how I should forgive. Maybe it was even a fellow disciple. This this guy who keeps irritating me. You know, Jesus had pulled together people from all over, all different, uh, to be these 12 disciples. So, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Here's his generous offer. Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, the important thing here, because as I mentioned to you, is that is that, the, that Greek word that is translated in the NIV 77 times could also be translated 70 times seven times. That is uh, 490, if my math is correct. I became a pastor because my math wasn't always correct, but you can check me on that. Um, so, so in other words, forgive your brother or sister who sins against you, Peter, way more times than you're proposing. Forgive him generously. In fact, that number seven says even more than that, because in the Bible there's symbolism behind the number seven. It doesn't matter whether you're saying it 77 or 70 times seven. The picture is exactly the same. It means forgive your, your brother or sister fully and completely without limit. The number seven is a symbol for fullness and completeness and without end. And so Jesus is really saying... Whenever your brother or sister sins against you, I want you to forgive them fully, completely, again and again and again and again and again without end. That's the message that Jesus is uh, delivering to Peter. Now, the first question I come up with, maybe you come up with, is, so Jesus, you're saying you want me to be a doormat. Is that what you're telling me, is that I should just let people step all over me, and then I should just keep on forgiving no matter what. Now, if you know Jesus well enough, and you put this together with some even accounts that are nearby in the context of this, you know Jesus was never a doormat. And he's the example of this kind of forgiveness. Because Jesus knew how to balance his own practice of forgiveness with an equally strong practice of standing up for good and truth and the godly way. Now, is that easy? (laughs) Jesus did it perfectly, but you and I are probably not going to do it perfectly. When is that time, out of love and concern for this other individual who is treating us like we're a doormat, when is it time to hold up your hand and say, nope, no more? That is wrong. That's disrespectful. It's unkind. And you may not do that again. When is it time, in other words, for boundaries? It's difficult, isn't it? Because all kinds of things go into judging, when do I forgive again? And when do I say, nope, we need a hardcore boundary here? Depends on so many different factors. Uh, the, the level of the relationship. Is it a work relationship? Is it a family relationship? Is it an extended family relationship? Is it a friend, a best friend? Like all these things can be factored into this. So I can't stand up here and say, you know, forget, keep track. At 491, you can hold up your hand and say, stop that. That's not how this works. How it works is, Through a lot of prayer, a lot of wisdom, a lot of consulting others whose opinions you trust, you decide whether a certain situation needs a boundary or (laughs) needs more grace. Let me tell you, I was a high school teacher. Some of us who are high school teachers can really relate to this because, in fact, you love those students who are yours and also, in fact, they will run you over if you allow it, some of them. And so this is a constant thing every day in each and every classroom. I had six, six hours to teach every day, and every classroom was different. Every mix of students was different. When did I need to put my foot down and say, guys, no more? When did I need to understand that maybe there were circumstances going on and I needed to be a little bit more patient that day, like a day or two before graduation when things are bonkers? All I'm saying to you in this first point is you don't have to be a doormat in order to put into practice what Jesus says here because like him, you can recognize that it is also godly to set up boundaries. But the real message here is, even when you set up those boundaries, when someone has hurt you, when someone has angered you, when someone has frustrated you, frustrated the bejeebers out of you, Jesus says, forgive abundantly. So, take a look at this. Our forgiveness is to have an unlimited supply Did you hear what we just sang? That was so beautifully portrayed in His mercy is more, what we're talking about. It's it's portrayed in Romans 5.20, where sin increased, grace increased. Do you know how to finish that? Where sin increased, grace increased, all the more. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what God does for us. And now, That's a great way to think of it. Wherever sin increases, grace increases all the more. Think about some of the words of the song we sang. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. We're going to hear about a parable to that effect. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And now Jesus is coming to Peter and saying, though the sins of your friend may be many, let your mercy, like mine is for you, be more. All right, put that picture up. Our grandkids were here over the last weekend. They left yesterday, and... um, You know, our little house was not meant for nine bodies to all go to the bathroom at the same time. I know you guys love my potty humor, so here's some for you. And so things got a little clogged up, so to speak. (laughs) You wanted to hear this, didn't you? And we went and we said, we don't have a plunger. So we're... What We went to Lowe's, right? And we took two of our granddaughters with us. One was so funny. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But you, I don't know that they had ever been in a Lowe's because we walked in there and their eyes got like pie-shaped. They couldn't believe the store and all these different things. We went back to the plunger section and like... There were choices upon choices just of plungers alone. Finally, we picked out a very simple little plunger, which our granddaughter found that when she stuck it on the very smooth cement floor, it would stick and then make a nice loud pop when she pulled it off. So she did that all the way from the plunger section, which is in the far back, (laughs) up to the register. And we got some golden looks from people on the way up to the, to the register. Why do we go to Lowe's? Go to Lowe's because there is an abundance. If you, if you want just one choice or two choices, you go to Ace. Because it's simpler and faster, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I do at least. I don't want to spend, like, you walk in there and you're like, where are the plungers? Because everything is so abundant, Right? Picture a loaves. you and I, because Jesus is the lows of forgiveness. Jesus is saying, I want you to be the lows of forgiveness too. Let, let your grace toward others be as abundant toward them as my grace has been toward you. That's the picture. And so if next time you go into Lowe's, I'm going to fix this in your mind. I want to anchor it. The next time you walk into Lowe's and you think, I don't know where to find my thing. There's too much stuff here. I want you to think, this is how my forgiveness is meant to be toward those who have hurt me. Abundant and over the top with how plentiful my forgiveness is. All right, let's move on to the parable. Here we're going to talk about the conveyance. That is, how do we transfer, you know what a conveyor belt is, how do you transfer this forgiveness from Jesus to you to others? So you, you heard the story. You're, you might, if you've been around for a while, be familiar with this story. This is one of the most famous uh, uh, parables. A parable is uh, a heavenly... Uh, Sorry, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus is using this earthly story of a man who owed a tremendous debt comes to a king. In fact, uh, many commentators believe this guy was probably at a very high level in the kingdom and had been given a huge amount of money to run his little section. Maybe he was a governor of the kingdom, of the of the empire and was given this huge amount of money to run his section of the empire and lost it all somehow and comes and the king calls him in and says, I need, I need it all back. If you don't pay it back to me, I'm going to have to sell everything you own, including your family. And that's going to be the repayment for, my, for the debt. And you're going to prison. The man gets down on his knees begging, please forgive me. I will find a way. To pay you back now. Then he comes out after he's forgiven. The king does forgive him, and he meets a fellow servant who owes him a much smaller amount of money. So in in uh, the original, it's um, talents is the bigger amount. It's a heavy weight, typically of gold or silver, and denarii, which were these little coins. And if we would say because it says. 100 small coins, let's just transfer that to $100 so we can relate to it. Let's say you have a friend that owes you $100. How would that compare to the amount that the first servant owed the king? Compared to a $100 debt, it would have equated to a $60 $60 million debt. So in other words, imagine this. You're forgiven a $60 million. You walk out, you see somebody that owes you a hundred bucks, and you grab them by the throat and say, you better pay me right now. That's the story Jesus is telling here. That's how different the two debts were. So let's read the passage I put in your notes. After all that goes down, and and the man is, his fellow servant's, tell the king that this is what this ridiculous guy has done for a hundred buck debt. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had, and we could put in there, the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? A few weeks ago when I was up here, we were talking about Jesus sending out um, his disciples to share the gospel with others. And in that same chapter, it was Matthew chapter 10 that we were talking about several weeks ago, um, there was a passage, and the passage says this. Jesus sends them out with these words, I want you to heal the sick, I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And then he ends with this phrase, which is a principle. It's a principle for all of us as Christians. Freely you have received, freely give. I want you to think about that. Freely you have received from God great forgiveness, great grace, great Mercy. Your $60 million debt has been completely wiped off the ledger. Now, when others hurt you, anger you with little $100 debts and sins and hurts, who are you? Who am I? to grab them by the throat and say, I will not forgive you. And men do all the things that we do, the silent treatment and all that. I'm never talking to him again, her again. We're done here. All those things that come along with that in our modern everyday world, we don't typically actually grab people by the throat, but we find ways to grab them by the throat. To let them know how hurt we are, how angry we are, how offended we are. And Jesus is saying to us, but you have been freely given so much, so much grace. So then as you go out, freely give. And why does Jesus tell, in Matthew 10, his disciples to do this as he sends them out i want i want you to think about this what happens to our message of grace and forgiveness and the cross and the empty tomb when we go out and we tell everybody how loving and how kind jesus is how amazing it is to experience his forgiveness i don't have to walk through life every day with this huge burden of guilt and shame it's gone before god and frankly he helps us make it disappear with our fellow people often if we operate according to his love. If we're gracious, often people are more gracious toward us. But what does it do to our message if we're we're telling people this great gospel message about the forgiveness won on the cross and the victory in the empty tomb when those same people see me and say, Jeff. Dude, you are hardcore. You never forgive anyone. If you are wronged, you you make it your business to get back at them somehow, some way. Like, what do you think that does to the message? And that's why Jesus sent out his disciples two by two and said, Look, to a certain extent, you are the message. If you talk about grace and mercy and forgiveness, but don't put it into practice in your lives, the real message, because a picture is worth a thousand words, right? The picture you're presenting through your actions is going to tell people you don't really believe what you're saying to them. Because as with most people, you're really saying, I want the mercy but I want you to have the justice. And that is not how we want to share the message of Jesus Christ's love with people. To say, for me, forgive me. For you, I want the, the, the whole pound of flesh. So this is Jesus really saying, we can't, we can't have this freely. You have received, freely give. My wife has a bike on that bike. Is a basket and uh, she loves that little basket I just want to make clear I do not have a basket like that on my bike (laughs) but she does (laughs) because she's a more generous and giving person than I am she loves to ride that bike put stuff in it and then go over to a a neighbor's house or even bring stuff home for me and the basket is a beautiful picture of how loving and sharing and kind she is. She hates it when I say things like this. I think she's scowling over there. Just ignore her. <laughs> but she, she is so gracious and generous-hearted. And that, that, that basket on her bicycle is such a picture of that for me, right? And so, again, I'll just say next time you see Julie riding around on her bike with her basket. From a man's point of view, a silly basket, but it's a basket for generosity. I want you to think, this is what Jesus says to us. You know, freely you have received. Take your your heart and make a basket out of it. And take things, take God's grace and forgiveness and love and freely give to others as you've Freely been given. Here's what I want you to write down. The reason we have so much forgiveness to give, why is our heart basket so need to be so big? Is that we have been given so much forgiveness from God. Even the Bible says it this way, not freely you have received, freely give. It says it that way. But think about the other famous passage, you know. We love because Anybody know how to finish that? He first loved us. All right, let's go on to point three, the importance of forgiveness. Now, here it gets, I mean, if, if you are a person that is in the midst of really struggling to forgive someone because you've been deeply hurt, these words are going to be frightening to you. I'm just going to admit it. They're frightening to me when I, when I think, okay, I can hold on to a grudge and get away with holding on to a grudge because I've been deeply injured, deeply hurt. But Listen to what Jesus says at the very end. He, um, he talks about how he's going to, and, and I'll read it for you. I only have one, one part of it here, but, but listen to this. Then the the master called that servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And here's the verse in your program. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let's go back to the beginning. What did I say? Jesus is loving, kind, compassionate. But does Jesus know how to stand up for what's right? Whew. That's what Jesus is doing here at the end. And in standing up for what's right, that is forgiveness is right, he's also, by the way, standing up for you. Because Jesus knows how much Holding on to a grudge is going to damage you and your heart. It it will kill you. Holding on to a grudge and being determined to stay angry and bitter towards someone is in Jesus' eyes and ought to be in our eyes like pushing a self-destruct button. You want to destruct yourself, destroy yourself, Go ahead, hold on to a grudge, because that's exactly what it will do. It will destroy you. It is is like Gollum staring at that ring. And, And that ring is this beautiful ring in the movie, right? But it could just as well be a grudge. And when you are focused on living your life as being enemy-centered instead of Jesus-centered and grace-centered, being enemy-centered will destroy you. We've got some contemporary images of what destruction looks like. If you've been looking at the news at all about Ukraine... These, some of these images might even be familiar to you already. We're seeing these all over the place. And several of them, interesting, are about destroying roads and bridges. And here's what I believe Jesus is saying to you. If you are willing to receive forgiveness but not give it back, That act of you not passing out forgiveness that that Jesus has given to you is like bombing the bridge that Jesus wants to use to get to you. What is the bridge that Jesus uses to, to bring us to himself if it's not his forgiveness for us? That's his bridge. And he came into this world... Little baby, then lived a perfect life, then died a a, a totally innocent death and rose again. And that whole thing was the act of building a bridge to you and to me. And Jesus is saying the punishment for that is so serious because you are destroying the very bridge that I need to use to get to you and keep our relationship intact in war You would be dumb to destroy a bridge that you might need in the future to go on offense. Now, sometimes in war, it's necessary to do that. But typically, they are very strategic about what bridges they're going to destroy. And they're going to destroy the bridges only that the enemy can use to go on offense against them. As believers in Jesus, you don't want to be destroying the bridge that Jesus is using to bring your forgiveness to you. And so, keep that bridge strong. Maintain it. And how do you maintain it? Jesus says you maintain it by after Jesus comes across that bridge to fill you with his forgiveness. Now, you go back across that bridge... And since Jesus doesn't need your forgiveness, share his forgiveness with others. Because that's what the Christian life is all about. Don't destroy that bridge. So, your final fill-in. We don't want to destroy the bridge God decided to use to help us. That's how important forgiveness is. When we forgive, we're maintaining that bridge that Jesus uses to get to us. So, what's your next step out of today? Here's what I want you to think about and pray about doing. I want you, as you go home today, maybe in the car you can talk about it with your family members, or maybe, maybe it's part of your daily devotions this week. Maybe you take this home, and each day during your daily devotions, because it might take, <laughs> depending on how angry you are, how long you've held that grudge, it might take more than one devotion time. And by the way, this works not only if you're angry at someone else, it works if you're angry at God. It also works if you're angry at yourself. Maybe you've done something and you're like, I'm so mad at myself, I could never forgive myself for doing that. That's no better. Jesus has already forgiven you. Who are you? In the face of Jesus saying, I forgive you to say, I don't forgive myself. Really? Don't do that. That's just foolish. So take this home, and I want you to do this. Examine your heart for grudges against a neighbor, against God, against yourself. Then repent of any grudges you find and ask God for his forgiveness for that grudge. And then finally, if you can't make the decision to forgive yourself, your neighbor, your God, seek help. I'm going to tell you a little secret. This church has something called a pastor. You could come and talk to him and say, I, I have a grudge. And I'm struggling to forgive that person. And even even at times I've forgiven that person and then somehow the devil comes along and gives me back my grudge again. Even though I said I'm done with that grudge forever, the devil finds a way. And one day I look down and I'm like, yep, I'm angry and bitter again. If you can't or don't want to talk to a pastor, that's okay. Talk to your growth group leader. Talk to someone else in your growth group. That's what growth groups are for. Talk to a fellow Christian that you've met here at church. Talk to someone, tell them what's going on with your grudge, with your anger, with your bitterness, and say, will you pray for me? Help me. This grudge is destroying me. And I want to stop pressing the self-destruct button. I want to stop destroying the bridge that Jesus wants to use to get to me. And with your friend's help, with your pastor's help, with the Holy Spirit's help, you can drop that grudge like it's a hot rock. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the love that you've shown us by sending your son Jesus to be our Savior. Lord, we need your help because our our grudges sometimes are so hard to let go of. We've been hurt. We've been injured. Some of us have been traumatized deeply, even by people that are supposed to take care of us and love us more than anyone, and yet they're the very ones who have traumatized us. Lord, what you challenge us to do here in Forgive 77 or 70 times 7 is, it's not just difficult, it's impossible. But all things are possible with you, Lord, and we believe that. So help us to get rid of grudges and and maintain that bridge of forgiveness that you have built to us by extending that forgiveness onto others. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's uh, confess our Christian faith and all that beautiful forgiveness in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.